Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to JU Israel the Teacher's Lounge, where we keep you in touch with what's going on here in Israel. We're back at the Bagel Cafe, our old haunt. And I'm here with my co-host as always, Alan Goldman, who will introduce our guest this week. We have an interview this week, rather than one of our colleagues to schmooze with. How's it going, Alan? It's going great. I feel much more grounded now that we're back at Bagel Cafe. I felt like we've been, we've been gone for too long. Even though the coffee's not so good today? I don't know what's going on. I wonder if we should like say something and send it back. Yeah, I'm too yeah. wimpy. I, I like to think of it as menschlach, but it's just wimpiness. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Me too. All right, so today we have with us my old and dear friend and chavruta, right? Mark Rosenberg, who is the director of Pre-Aliyah at Nefesh Benefesh. I've known Mark, I think we were just figuring out, maybe around 30 years. goes back to Camp Ramad days when he was but a young, young, younger brother of one of my campers, his brother Greg Rosenberg. Uh, and uh, and since uh, his making Aliyah, really, we've become very um, close friends, having worked together for many years at Young Judea Year Course. And we are, as I said, Chavrutot. We, we learn every week on Skype. So it's very nice, actually, even though we're basically in the same a city. Miles. You know, a few miles. I mean, I don't live in Jerusalem, but I'm in Jerusalem every day. But uh, tis the modern world. Um, so it's exciting to be here in person with Mark to talk, to be able to talk about uh, Aliyah. What, a, what is this whole thing called Aliyah, really? Um, so maybe uh, we'll let Mark talk a little bit about what he does, and then we'll jump into the real conversation. What do you say, Mark? Awesome. It's awesome to be here. I don't get to say this often, but I'm a longtime listener, first-time interviewee. Um, enjoy, enjoyed listening to the podcast. Um, and it's really, I think what you guys are doing is really great. Um, it's a really unauthentic and... Um, a passionate conversation, so it's great to be here to uh, try and contribute. Well, Mark, this is a bait and switch. We're not really going to talk about what we don't know about Aliyah. We're going to just—we want you to speak for the next half hour about how awesome we are. That's why you're here. <laughs> um, let's begin with um, your taste of locations. Uh, very convenient to uh, my commute. Uh, now I am in charge of our, our pre-Aliyah team. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Nefesh Benefesh started 15 years ago as a as a way to kickstart um, a more uh, a more successful way to help North Americans move to Israel. Uh, the idea of Aliyah, the idea of immigration to Israel, has always been a cornerstone idea of Jewish philosophy or Jewish education, the idea that Israel is going to pull you there. Um, I like to tell the story that one year we're having a Seder in, in, in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, where I'm from, and in the middle of Matzah Balsuf, my great aunt Miriam says, next year in Jerusalem. <laughs> and we're like, huh? Like She's like, Lashanah, Hamaab, Yushalayim. We're like, did suddenly Aunt Miriam become a Zionist? No, she wanted the Seder to be over. <laughs> she, she knew that that was the sign that, you know, we finished it up. So we always heard about this idea, but um, what happened when it started 15 years by, by our founder of boss, Rabbi Josh Fass, was um, he suffered a tragedy in his family. A, a relative was killed in a terrorist attack in Israel in 2001, a, a very difficult time here. And as, a, as an assistant rabbi at Shul, he stood up and said, my family is reacting to this tragedy, but we want to move to Israel. We want to fill that lost soul with our souls. Do it. Um, and that was the idea of nefesh benefesh, that there was this Jewish souls united that we wanted to come together and show that solidarity. And when he came to the Kiddush afterwards, <coughs> all these people said, oh, we were thinking about moving to Israel. Oh, we always wanted to move to Israel. And everyone finished it with a but. A but, you know, how are we going to find jobs? But I don't know, but it's so hard, but Israelis are so you know, difficult when it comes to this. So he said, why don't I start an organization that's going to help people? What, and he found a philanthropist, a, a very uh, businessman with savvy and understood how, how to get things done. So he took his passion and drive um, with this businessman. He said, why don't we buy 50 seats on an LL plane this summer? And we get this organization. He called up the Jewish agency who was in charge of Aliyah for the state of Israel. And they were like, okay. What is the Jewish agency? The Jewish agency, I mean, um, started in 1929, um, was the quasi-government that united the, united the, the Jews living in Israel. Um, a a, a quasi-government because it brought together different groups to vote on priorities of how to allocate funding. And when the state of Israel formed in 1949, sorry, it was announced in 1948, but the government formed in 1949, pretty much all the staff of the Jewish agency moved over to be fiddled the including, including David Ben-Gurion, who was that Jewish agency, became the Prime Minister of Israel. And the Jewish agency it was an organization that moved to be continue its efforts to bring Jews to Israel. So they were the official government body to, to, to bring people in, even though there is a Misrata Klita, the absorption ministry, which actually gives out the certain funding. The Jewish agency works with 
the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, which actually has consulates, embassies around the world, to be the representative to send educators to help um, inspire or inform about Aliyah. And they were the paradigm where they would send shlichim messengers out to do this. It's interesting, the messengers usually were Israelis. So those Israelis would come with Israeli accents and they would come with uh, not really understanding the, the cultural language of what is going on. I'm not insulting anyone who's doing shlichut here um, or, or, or comes from the background, but what Nefesh Ben Nefesh noticed in the research that they did 15 years ago was that there was a disconnect with some of these people because they don't understand what it means to do a BA in uh, Israel. A BA in Israel is very different than doing a BA in America. It's more similar to the UK. Um, there's no liberal arts study. Actually, now there's a liberal arts college in, in Israel that just started two years ago, but people just do law school as a three-year undergraduate. You don't take any science classes. So when you come to like, oh, come to Israel, you just get, you get a degree. It's like, how do you explain that to someone? Or come, you do the army, it'll be fine. Someone who grew up and did the army is different to explain it to someone who didn't. It's not even someone who grew up in the army. Someone who grew up in Israel with army is always part of their cultural and, you know, uh, world view. It's very different than an American who, you know, we grew up with not doing army as our worldview, really. And it's also one of the big things I do, uh, that's why I sort of want to wrap up by saying, is that Nefesh Benefesh tries to translate that experience to make sure that people know what they're getting involved in, that they have proper expectations. I was in Montreal, and this Israeli dad comes in with this son who was born in Montreal, and he's 17 and a half. He's like, oh, we're going to come back this summer, and my son's going to do the army. I asked the son, how's it going? He's like, I don't even know what the army is. I'm like, you haven't even talked about him with him. He's coming, and he's like going to be drafted very soon. That it's, and it's, it's important that people know what they're getting involved in. Why? Because in the research that, uh, that, that Rabbi Fast did, realized that there's certain obstacles. There's employment obstacles that people, how to translate their jobs. There's education obstacles, where they're going to send their kids. If you stay in, where are you from? I'm from Brooklyn. If you're from Brooklyn, you know, you know, what, you know what, whether it's public school or Jewish schools, you know what options are in the neighborhood. You come here, you don't know what schools are available in Modin or Beit Shemesh or Renana or you know, Beersheba. So you need help to get over that. And then you also need help with the bureaucracy because, again, you know the DMV in Brooklyn is going to be difficult, but how do we navigate the, the DMV in Israel? So we have... So Bring a baby. Don't have one. Uh, bring the a post baby. office. Bring a baby. I'm telling you. Uh, the solution actually is to go. To, uh, you can solve a lot of problems by going to the post office. Yeah. It's crazy in Israel. So he founded this organization with three core departments. One is going to help people find jobs. One is going to help people solve people's bureaucratic problems. The other is going to give education and community advice to people. And that's still today, 15 years later, the, the basic breakdown of the services we give. Um, we filled, they, he filled the plane. The 50 seats turned into 250. Uh, with ama- amazing people who were a little bit skeptical. And it wasn't just first the one plane. 55 planes have already arrived. Um, every summer there's about anywhere between two to four charter planes that arrive and 50,000 North Americans have moved to Israel um, over the past 15 years. Through Nefesh Benefesh. And is it having a more successful impact on Aliyah than the Jewish agency used to? Uh, and uh, along with that question, how many used to come when the Jewish agency was uh, solely responsible for this? So I, so I answer the second question first. Um, uh, every year there were anywhere between maybe 1,200 to 1,600 North Americans that were, that were coming. Um, right now, uh, 2016, um, there was just about 3,800, okay? So we're, we, we saw an increase in Aliyah, um, again, partially influenced by the efforts of Nefesh Benefesh. I, I don't want to take sole credit for any trends that are involved. But um, what is interesting, my wife, I, I'm married and ha- I, have a, I have a few children, um, and my wife, my wife is um, a little bit Israeli, a little bit American. She moved here when she was nine. Um, and if you moved with her family in night, Moroccan. She's, she's, she's from Brooklyn as well. Um, and if, I'm sorry, I didn't know. I, I tell her all the time, and I'm sorry to hear that. Um, she, uh, she, if you moved in 87 when her family came, there was a 50-50 chance you used to be living here two years later. Uh, the, the bounce rate was that anywhere between 55 and 60% of people would be leaving Israel. In other words, the success rate of Aliyah would be 50-60% uh, would make it, and the no. other... No, 40, 40, 40, 40, 45% would still, would still be here. We'll make it after five years. So 45% would make it after five years, and the rest, the other 55% would be back to where they came from. They would, they would be bouncing back. They had difficulty in the schools. And don't, don't get me wrong, the Shaliach told my in-laws when they came, it was like, you shouldn't, why are you going to come? And it was, it was, it was a push-off. Now, it I, w- made, I made Aliyah in 18, 1989. And you almost <laughs> said 1889, which I was ready to I'm believe completely. Time, I really want to be in the first Aliyah. It's, you know, it's, I've always had that. Take that. a look at the picture, by the way, on our website, and you'll see it's perfectly believable that <laughs> Alan made Aliyah in 1889. Exactly. But in 1989, and I could probably count on you know, all my ha- toes and fingers of all the people you know, I know through, the year, through those years who made Aliyah are no longer here. So... So the, 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 the reality is today is that uh, and it, we, we, we take a conservative number that 90% of our Olim are still here three years later. And they're coming because they're coming with more proper expectations. They're getting more support. 
Um, I've had... It, 90% of people now making Aliyah from North America stay in Israel. Their Aliyah is successful. Yes. So it's a better filtering system. It's interesting. It, it usually takes... A, we, there's the miracle of Hanukkah. People come usually in the summer. 65% of all Olim come in the summertime. Naturally, school's out, college is out. Um, a lot more apartments are available. Um, and we see that... Uh, people have the miracle of Hanukkah. They're, if they have kids, by Hanukkah time, their kids are already speaking fluent Hebrew. And many parents have told us that after two years is when things really um, click in for them having kids, as well as people do army service. Their army service is usually about two years, and they start college afterwards, and then that sort of kicks them in if they're more single and, and getting settled. Um, we see a marriage rate of many single people. It usually takes them about anywhere, anywhere between two or three years for them to get settled down if they're looking to get married. Um, but they're coming with... Uh, really realities of what's going on. For example, I met this wonderful nurse, and she's like, I'm a nurse practitioner, I don't speak any Hebrew, my dream is to live in Israel. I have to tell that person that you can't be a nurse in Israel without speaking Hebrew, and nurse practitioners don't exist yet in Israel as a profession. We're, we're working on it, it's going to be a few years away. What else are you going to do or don't come? Because if your dream job is to do that, you're not going to be able to do it in Israel. And we tell people that. Like, it's a hard thing to do. We want to make sure people are going to get here and they know what they're involved in, and it's not just this um, holy land or Disneyland idea. I'm moving to Israel. Israel's really wonderful. We want to make sure that they know about the downsides. You know, not just Israel's wonderful. The weather's great. It's hard. Being an immigrant is hard. It is hard. We, we strive. We, make, we don't make it easy. We make it easier. Right. And, and, our, and our, our services are available for people forever to call us up and say, I, I want to switch jobs. I, I, I got this bill I don't, I don't understand. Can you help me out with it? I work on the pre-Aliyah side. Um, but we have two other departments. One is post-Aliyah that helps programming and integration with people. And then we have this government um, advocacy department that's working to solve um, issues for new immigrants, to advocate for them, to make sure that doctors get licensed easier, teachers get licensed easier. Um, and, and that's the fundamental core of, of the mission is to make sure, they make sure that a North American Aliyah is successful. So I would... Uh, I I would uh, To me, the takeaway, those are two very big numbers. If the actual number of people coming in is larger, that's already one accomplishment. Mm -hmm. But if the retention rate is much higher, that's also those are, it's a double, double success. Right. And I don't, take one to, don't want to take anything away from Nefesh Benefesh. I came, obviously, like you, know, you before Nefesh Benefesh was uh, e even a, a thing, a thought, really, um, of course. Uh, but I do wonder how much also Israel has changed since the 1990s. The economy is different. It's, we've really gone from a developing country to a first world country, um, and how much that has an effect. I, you know, I'm sure it's had an effect in total, but and, and, and I guess you know the, the global communications is easier now. Global in other words, and so the one thing I do want to ask, there's a question after this, because we can't really rate those, but it, you know, it probably has had an it effect makes, on it. Immigration is still a difficult adjustment, but it's less of a sacrifice. Right, exactly. I think that that's certainly part of it. The, what I would say, though, is would be an interesting question when you probably don't have the, actually the the numbers to this, but I, I know like there's at least one guy in my little tiny Moshav in the middle of the nowhere where we're less than 5% Anglos. One of the Anglos is a dentist who travels back and forth to Cleveland continue working. How Who's many, uh, uh, Alan Burke? I don't know. Uh, not Cleveland, sorry. Um, what's Dayton? Oh, dude. Dayton yeah, or something, Dayton. I don't know, Ohio somewhere. What's the oh. difference? Sorry, dude. Come on. You, you know, he even sold to the great state of Ohio. At Cleveland, he, uh, Michael was uh, worked there for, for Cleveland. Years. He feels more Cleveland than he does Brooklyn. That's a lie. <laughs> anyway, but so the question is: Are there numbers about how many um, uh, commute? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's um, uh, about uh, we say about thirteen to fifteen percent of our Olim either commute physically or telecommute. Some of them bring their jobs with them and they work American hours in Israel. Um, there are people that are road warriors who go from Sunday to Thursday or they'll go every other week or once a month. Uh, for some people, it is financially worth it for them or they, they, that's, that's their plan. For some of them, they have, a, they have a plan for a few years to bank up certain money. Or their ideal, their nurse practitioner. So I, I have a colleague whose father was a doctor. Um, I mean, made Aliyah 25 years ago, and he was one of the first uh, people to do this. And he used to bring blockbuster videos for those of you who who do don't do Netflix. <laughs> Once upon a time, he used to go to the store and get a cassette tape to borrow for a few days from blockbuster video. And he used to take it out in America, and they used to watch it here. Now, now. what is a cassette tape? <laughs> Once okay. our phones had cords VCR. to the wall, and um, so there were people long ago doing this. So we see that hey, Alan, you said it, you said it beautifully. I, I, I don't want. I'm, I'm going to say something good, and then I'm going to say something bad. We don't we don't take credit for the, the rights, but we, we're facilitating that. And, and it came in a ripe situation where, yes, um, regulation policies in Israel became easier, but we're, we're forcing, through, through, our, through our cooperation, forcing the government to become better to um, Olim. For example, the, the biggest thing that we've done is that we've changed the dialogue. 
the way that Shlichim, the way the Jewish agency, the way the government talked about Ali was, you must to come here, it's horrible. Tell someone in San Diego that it's horrible. It's beautiful there. Even in, in like, Teaneck, these are beautiful communities, strong communities. And we speak about Ali have choice. When you relate to people of choices that they have, you could stay here or you could explore your options in Israel. People, people relate, especially in this day and age, with tremendous choices. We grew up because of our age, with three television stations on TV. There's 3,000 television stations, not to mention 3,000 websites you could check at the same time. You, when you relate to people with choices, it's a different opportunity. And we were able to persuade the government that changing that message offers different people opportunities. And I think that's been a big part of the Aliyah. So behind the scenes has impacted, as well as the fact that now you can have WhatsApps and Skypes and you can, and it, you can, you can fly you know, through Turkish Air or whatever the airline now that's so inexpensive to fly through Moscow for $500, you can go back for the weekend. It's, it's it's, it's very different than it was in the 80s and 90s. The second thing I want to say is, in reality, is that the numbers are really outstanding because it's like, wow, 4,000 North Americans are coming each year, but it is 0.01% of the North American Jewish community. So there's this... If you say there's 6 million Jews... That, in a, in a Close to 6 million Jews in America, over 6 million Jews in Israel, three, 4,000 a year is not making a huge difference in either so community. So that's, that's the paradox that is here that it, it makes a huge impact. I mean, the government spends a lot of money to help them offer him. They realize that they get the money back very quickly. They give up free degrees to young people. If you, you, get, if you go to college, you get a free BA or a free MA if you're under the age of 30. They give up. You have to do the work. You don't just get there. Yeah. <laughs> get off the plane. Here's your BA. So um, they, give you, they give you free health care for your first year. They give you cash. Like, they give you uh, like $5,000 of your first five months to help you here. If you're a family, it can be a lot more. So they, 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 they That's because it's a financial benefit to the state or because it's an ideological underpinning? They realize it's an ideological underpinning and, and it takes six months to find a job. So by investing people in free, free health care and giving them a free flight, it, it's, a, it's, it's a down payment for the government to make sure that they'll be more successful. They, we, there's been a statistical study from Deloitte and Touche about the economic impact. Not just it's great because your family comes to visit you and stays in the Inbal Hotel for two weeks and travels around and spends money. No, they see that the investment of your kids in the system is good for them. But you see that the impact it has on society, they see that all the doctors and lawyers and educators are coming in is good for the country. Israel's a society built on immigration, and when you have high-quality immigrants as well, it is really good for them. But you, you look on the other hand, it's like, it's, I'm like, uh, it's 4,000. I, I, I travel to the community. I travel to communities. I was in Chicago recently, and I was waiting to meet with the rabbi of the shul just to talk about, you know, how to get the message out. And I see this lovely calendar that, you know, they give out at the beginning of the year that has all the Jewish holidays in. And usually it's the cemetery that puts it out because they you know, want to advertise. And all these Israeli organizations are fundraising in to donate to Israel. And they're all causes that they, they travel to try and get money to, to help causes in Israel. And here I am traveling and trying to get people, people to Israel. And they're, they have much an easier sell. The, the fundraising and, and, and supporting the charities that are in Israel because the impact of the, the 60 people leaving the Chicago Jewish community that year, okay, or the 45 people from Cleveland, okay, the two, one family from, two families from Cherry Hill or the, you know, even from Teaneck, a place where there's 70 people moving from, it, it has a very big impact. It's seemingly a greater impact. On, on those communities, it has a huge impact. We're, I, I, I'm I would also, I mean, what made me think about a little bit about is like the impact that Jews have on America, even though they're such a small percentage of American population, but they have a great impact on America because of places. Do you think Nefesh Benefesh has changed, the Nefesh Benefesh Aliyah flow has made a difference in American culture? No, no, or I'm, saying, no, I'm saying opposite. So even though America Aliyah is very small in terms of the Aliyah, the impact of Americans in Israel is greater than just their pure numbers, is what I'm saying. Uh -huh. Just like the impact of Jews in America is greater than the pure numbers. So that's, an, I think, an uncomfortable mm -hmm. truth. Well, in preparing to come here, I was like, I have to think of witty, um, controversial things to say <laughs> to make sure that your podcast gets listened to. Um, there was an interesting um, article. Oh, good luck with that. <laughs> uh, I'm working on it. There's an interesting article on Tablet Magazine from last week from Michael Eisenberg, who was a super VC funder in Israel, and he, he explored a specific niche audience about why what's happening with the glory of Yeshiva University in New York, and his theory is that all of the bright minds have moved to Israel. And he has a very interesting theory at the end about how, how Jews in America need to re recalibrate to what's going on. I'll leave that point because I think it's the, I, I don't agree with everything he wrote, but the point about the end about recognizing... Do you know him? I know, uh, f family friends. Um, he's a remarkable person in what he's doing. I don't know why I don't know him. He sounded from the article like I, he, he would have crossed paths. I should have known him as a white person. Get him on the He's a tremendous. And he actually wants to go back. Yeah, that's a great idea. And he actually wants to go back to the Chinuch. I heard. Uh, I mean, he's he's on the board of uh, his board of a lot of lot of things, education institutions, and he just put out a book on Miguelat Esther, which also is interesting about the vanishing um, Jew Mordechai and diaspora Jews. But I wanted to say is that. Sad, sad. 
it's interesting is that you a Trump tweet. What was that sad? Exactly. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to say that is that a big draw for a lot of people to come is is precisely that impact. Um, they a lot of times and I, I'm tr I'm not I sound judgmental but I'm not. Please believe me. <laughs> is that a lot of people who are very active in their communities in in the United States and Canada to penetrate outside of their shul is is rare. So you might have a doctor that does that, or a lawyer who is well known, or someone who's. But the principles are only in the Jewish system, or the, rarely are they going to be identified so much in the community. The head of the federation, many people don't even know the head of their federation outside of Boston, which has a very strong federation, is a well-known commodity in his community, because they don't elect that person, okay, and they don't see they don't see what they're doing. Whereas you come to Israel and you have people like just a stunned person like Dove Lipman who got involved in Beit Shemesh, and he was a Knesset member for his term, and he's trying to get back in again, and so we can just step forward and get involved in the community. You can say someone like Joseph Gittler who said, you know what, we're at a restaurant right now. What are they doing with the leftover food? I'm going to start an organization that's going to gather leftover food, and that organization is now one of the largest funded food rescue organizations in the country. You have people that are getting involved on that level much more when penetrating out of that. You have the Joseph Liebermans, and you have this Hasidish judge in New York, or woman, woman Lipper Green, saying, God bless America and Yiddish for it. And people are very excited about that. But um, living out loud on the street is still, you realize that you're 2% of the country. Um, and whereas here, we're 80% of the country, and, and your, your impact is, is right. And I think that's one of the big things that draws people. The Jewish community is the country, it's the society. Right. I'm curious as an educator, what institutions in America do you think are doing a good job uh, promoting Aliyah? Like if you're looking at the educational background of people who are Limur successful, what do you see? who's doing a good job at getting everyone, getting their students or their campers or whatever? Um, it's a great question, so I'm going to answer it politely first, and then I'm going to be a little more uh, maybe nah, critical. Don't be so polite. Um, so first American, then Israeli. Go ahead. <laughs> so um, the, 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 the Zionist camps are doing a great job. I mean, the, everyone talks about Camp Stone as, as this remarkable camp. It's true that you, you see a lot of these kids that are coming in, and, and passion especially, excuse me, amongst young people. Um, you see that amongst the Moshevahs, you even see amongst Camp Ramah, we see a, a, a very high uh, aliyah rate from young people from, from, who, from all the Camp Ramahs that are choosing to come here. Uh, interesting, there was this um, camp, a Jewish campus organization um, just did research of Jewish day school graduates. Um, they want to do more about 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds who are graduating Jewish day school, and now we see a lot of them, about 50% are coming to study in Israel for a year. And they were graduating from the Jewish day school with about 34% wanted to make Aliyah, and another 40-some percent are interested in making Aliyah. So you see these kids are graduating from a Jewish day school education with 70-some percent with a strong interest or exploring Aliyah. Can you just define what you mean by Jewish day school? Uh, they were looking at um, Orthodox Jewish day schools. Okay, so I don't, I, I don't think that this sector system was a part of the study because I know that the organization mainly does outreach to modern Orthodox. Um, and it was interesting because, again, we don't see 70% of those people coming because, uh, again, there's 1,400 singles who are coming every year. But interesting, I, I love data, about 65% of them define themselves as anything but Orthodox. I don't like the term secular because I'm more of that Rav Cook idea that, you know, there's no such thing as a secular Jew. You're a Jew and that's who you are. I don't believe in uh, religious Jews either. Um, but it's interesting when they had to force to define themselves. 65% of the singles between the ages of 20 and 30 say that they are not non-orthodox. 65% of the singles, and it's 1,400 a year? Yeah. In the past few years. And it's interesting, of families, of families, it's the opposite, okay? 75% 70, of families define themselves as orthodox, which is remarkable that 25% are non-orthodox when you think the stereotype of people coming are religious Jews. Coming. It means our stereotypes are wrong. It's, it's absolutely true, and that's why I go well, around. 25% doesn't mean stereotype is wrong, does it? 25% doesn't mean stereotype is wrong, is it? I mean, uh, I guess I define stereotype, but. Yeah. Uh, I think 75% of all statistics about stereotypes are made up. <laughs> um, so I think that, that that's. So, Say that about so, Aliyah, too. <laughs> so that's my. That's my, that's my that was my American nice thing to say. I actually think that Aliyah is not. This is my personal opinion. I'm speaking as Mark Rosenberg, not Mark Rosenberg from Nefesh Benefesh. I think that Aliyah is not, not. The primary drive for Aliyah is an ideology for people. It is actually a practical decision. So you see the people who are coming, they are often searchers. They're searching for a greater meaning, and they, they feel that, that connection. They all have that Israel experience. That's what they come. They all spend time in Israel, whether even it's from after a birthright trip, and they, they want to come back for more and did Massah. They spent a year studying here. They, did a, they came here as a rabbi for a year. They came and studied on sabbatical. You see they had a meaningful experience in Israel, and they, and they, and they, they, felt, that, they felt that pull to come back. And they come and explore the practical reasons, not just, oh, I want to be here for a summer. So why, you, why I'm confused why you're calling that not ideological. I mean, to find meaning in your life, isn't that ideological? 
Correct, but I think uh, ideological as an ism on the end of it. Mm. So search for meaning ism is not. It's a, like a most more of what you're saying is more of a personal personal ideology motivation as opposed to a is like a big uh, 19th, 20th century ideology. Zionism. They're coming for personal growth, not because Pinsker has inspired them in the Zionist message. Well, I, again, I, 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 love, I, love, I love bringing up Pinsker. I, I, love, I love those ideas of, of you see, you see the, the same battles today between uh, cultural Zionism and Chada'am and Rav Kook and, and political Zionism. But if you see, let's recalibrate the American Jewish community. Instead of saying, okay, 40% are reform and 42% are conservative and 15% are orthodox, you look at the people who affiliate and not affiliate, okay? People who go to shul more than three times a year, okay? And you see all those people have a lot more in common. You take an active reform Jew and put them in a room with, a, a, let's say, not a modern orthodox, they'll talk about the shul policies, the shul dues, what's going on, and, and they'll talk about the, the prices of matzah on Passover. Okay, those people are Israel connected. Okay, and those are those are our population that 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 we really work from because all those unaffiliated people. Okay, a majority of American Jews have never visited Israel. Still, it's after birthright, two hundred fifty thousand people. So when you recalibrate the American Jewish community to say, okay, how many people are affiliated and not, then you say that the, the Zionism is what I know. You had a great podcast about this. Kick back to about what is, is Zionism today that there's already a state of Israel. So. I, I don't want to say it's Zionism that draws them. I think they really get they get pulled into something that is, how can they be part of something, and what is their place to do? Where's the place that I want to raise my children, or where I want to explore my meaning, or I want to serve, and serving the army of Israel, or Shrut Lumi, are ways that I can serve this country, and, and, and they're searching for that. So to answer specifically, I guess it's ideological, but it's not the traditional ideologies. Is it, I would be... I would think that the Aliyah rate from certain Zionist camps would be much higher than it is because some of them preach Aliyah. I used to work for Young Judea. Okay, I wish the I wish the Aliyah rate from Young Judea's year course. I would I would expect it to be much higher because they actually screamed Aliyah, make Aliyah, make Aliyah. And, and now you're getting to a really key point because maybe that's the whole thing we're teaching wrong if we want people to make Aliyah. And that is we're, we're teaching an old 20th century message that didn't seem to work as well in the 20th century either. Uh, There's two you ways know. you could look at it. You could either look at it and say, well, then teaching Zionism isn't what gets people to make Aliyah, so we should focus on those things. Or you could say, I, I don't think we are teaching Zionism. I don't think American day schools are teaching Zionism. Uh, and so you could say, well, well, then, 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 okay, then we're not. Let's not teach Zionism, and let's promote the things that get people to make Aliyah. Assuming that we are, we are agreeing, uh, the no, three of us, that Aliyah is a positive. Or the other thing to say is, well, maybe we should teach Zionism in a 21st century yeah, idiom, yeah. and that would only increase the number of people making Aliyah. So part of my, part of my Hebrew school education was very much... Um, um, uh, sorry, sorry, I just, I'm going to uh, knock you off for a second. Just because we have to remember that even the big Zionist messages of the 19th century and 20th century brought the minute... <laughs> portion of immigrants or migrants of the Jewish world. Most did not come to Israel, right, or Palestine, whatever it is, whether it be the first Aliyah through the fifth Aliyah. And generally when they did come, it was because they had no other option. So those big ideologies that we talk about never really motivated the masses to make Aliyah. Well, I, I wonder if it motivates anybody really. In other words, we, we tell ourselves that we're being driven by our philosophy in life, but we also, when we reflect as we get older, realize that a lot of that this psychological or social or even economic reason. Meaning, I think. Yeah. And I think that's actually why um, the Aliyah is also about storytelling. So it's not necessarily about the educational process. So uh, even passively in the stories that get told. So I was going to say, in Hebrew school, you interrupted me. Um, I grew up on the Joseph Trumpeldor story. You know, it's good to die for one's country. We're the one-armed man. And all the stories of all the people who came to Israel and, and died. Alan, Alan just mocked the disabled, just for those who can't see the visual. Once again, imitating the President of the United States. Um, and you... you we're smiling because it's uh, we love it. It's, it's an old Zionist uh, camp. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, act like you have one arm, yeah. yeah. Um, and 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 there's there's this there's this preparation, and we have modern heroes that are that are coming that came and died for the country. And, I, and I'm not I'm not speaking against them. And some of them, they are they are valiant hero. But teaching the people who are living in Israel, who are coming and serving, 
is a much more positive role model. And the biggest issue I have, well, I think, if you think if you look at the early years of the state, if you look at you know the percentage of the country that was dying in war, in the War of Independence, or you, 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 they under the, the 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 mythology of the of the baby state had to embrace these people who gave their lives. You are right about that, but the, but that, become less of an issue today. Those Masada is not the legend today in Israeli culture that it was in the fifties and sixties. Absolutely, and you Thank see, God. and you see the, and you, God. yeah, and you see the role models in Israel have changed beyond that. Even teaching the even teaching the Shoah, but my my, my teaching right? my teaching the Shoah did not probably the same way they taught in the fifties as was in the in the nineties, and I I'm not in the school system today how they're teaching how they're teaching Shoah, but the way they teach Israel hadn't matured a lot. I know it's a conversation now about you know realizing they just can't just have one way of telling it, but it wasn't an agenda. It was just very simplistic, and it was that also it hadn't matured like Israel has matured, and 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 we see that people are coming here to be living role models. I, I was gonna say the biggest issue I have, or the, the biggest challenge I like throw out to a lot of people is that, um, is that when I when I have I have a twelve year old, he's actually turning to just turn twelve, okay, and when I say when I ask him who is his role models, and he has who are your Jewish role models? You look around, he has amazing Jewish role models around us, and I and when I look at my Friends. Can you tell me some because I've been, I've been on the search. Let, let me make a point and then I'll talk about that. It says, is that when I, when I ask my friends or family in North America who are their Jewish role models, the first answer that everyone says is the rabbi, rabbi of the shul. Oh. <laughs> okay? So it says someone so who outside the shul is a Jewish role model for you. And it gets very, they hear crickets afterwards. So there might be someone who's a big, a, a big philanthropist in the shul. They're a great lawyer, and they give Jewish. Whereas here in Israel, you look at some of the people who are, who, are, who are getting involved and taking a step forward, not to mention everyone, certain people in the army. I have a brother-in-law who's an officer in the army, a career officer. You, you see that they are sacrificing, giving time to help the Jewish people. That's not just in the synagogue. And that Jewish role models is, is, is really important. It's really important. Yes, in Israel, I think it's too strong on the army. Though I'm going to make it always clear about it. I think it's a little too strong on the army here. But that, that living Jewish role model is part of that Zionist story, which is pulling out a lot of these people to be interested in coming here because here's a living Jewish life, whereas there, the, the growth patterns of that living Jewish life are not are, are not well, there. The Jew in his natural habitat so will live a more natural life. So I want to ask you, do you ask Aryeh who's your Jewish role model or who's your role model? I asked him who's his role model, right. okay? And he points out, except for a few basketball players like Amari, Amari Stoudemire or um, he's a big, he's a big uh, he's Steph Curry, Steph, a Steph, a Steph, a Steph Curry fan, and he'll, 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 start pointing, he'll start pointing out to different people. Yes, the rabbi of his school is, is one of his role models, which is great, but outside of your school and your community. I'm dying. Who? Who? Okay. Well, I think that we have some good friends that are nice role models for him. I mentioned my, I mentioned my brother-in-law. Um, he, uh, there's, there's his, his the madrich of his uh, sneef. He's in, he's in, a, he's in a youth group, which is peer-led activities twice a week, and he, it was a big influence on his decision to choose the high school was that person, a um, person who's dedicating his time, giving up his Shabbat afternoons and Tuesdays. Um, th this, this, there's this activity that is there that is not compartmentalized, and I think that that is one of the things that you see that non-Orthodox people coming because it's just easier to be Jewish here, and that's one thing that draws Orthodox people as well is they don't have to explain away a lot of the things. It just always mesmerizes me why that's still uh, a minority opinion in, in, in Jewish consensus, that Nefesh Benefesh isn't invited to certain conferences to have that you know, educational philosophy conversation with people. They very much are keep the, 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 uh, a separation between Israel education and where Aliyah is in Israel education. There's a significant amount of Israel education in North America that doesn't in, in employ language of Aliyah, that feels that Aliyah shouldn't be part of the Israel education of North American students. Is that what you're saying? I think that uh, many educators and rabbis are uncomfortable. Um, a, not lovely because they feel like hypocrites. They know it's a value and they're not doing it yet, okay? But because I don't think they have a clear educational path about how they're supposed to say that that is the self-actualization. Who's it? Piaget's high, hierarchy of needs? Uh, not Piaget. Maslow. uh, Maslow's hierarchy is the high, the highest form is some, so that can still be your value. Um, it, they've created in some ways an, a zero sum game that I'll, it's, it's all or nothing, and therefore you have that people feel horrible because they haven't made Aliyah yet or they're not planning to make Aliyah and they don't want to talk about it or support it or it's not even a part of that a part of that agenda when. Um, keeping Shabbat is not a zero-sum game. We, we value people who come to Friday night dinner and might not do something else later. Kashru, we tell kids, you know, try and you know, separate or do things when, even if you can't keep fully. But when it comes to Aliyah, it's all or nothing. You either. Do you think, I have two questions about that. Do you think that's because the teachers themselves who are keeping kosher to their level of satisfaction, but they're not making Aliyah? So they, they can say, as a role model of Kashrut, I'm telling you to do what you can, but Aliyah, I can't be, be in that conversation. I think they are doing it. 
Again, I, I sound judgmental and I'm throwing up, I'm gonna use a big perhaps. Perhaps some of the people are doing it because they aren't even thinking about it. That the idea of Aliyah, the idea that the Jewish people in their land is the ideal state is not something to think of. Many people, I mean, I, I, Mike, I don't know you as well, but I know Alan has had tons of students in their house. These lovely American Canadians who come and spend a year studying, whether it's on Native or, uh, or lots of other programs. And they come to their house and like, of course, two seders is the best. Right. Okay. They idealize all of their practices that they think, of course, this this is what we do. Well, living in Israel is sort of an alternate lifestyle for those who like it, but it's not a Jewish ideal. This week, I uh, got a lot from my students. Three days of Purim is awesome. Because <laughs> <laughs> they had, they really started Friday or, or you know, Friday and then went all the way through Monday. Like five days yeah. almost. I have, I, just a personal impression question. Do you guys think that's changed over the years? Mm -hmm. I feel like, and it's totally based on my perspective. Yeah. And I, I, Okay, I went to Yeshiva Flatbush. So I came from a school that did talk openly about Aliyah. But I felt like even, not, even outside of Yeshiva Flapish, I received messages that the ideal is we should all be in Israel, but until we're in Israel, here are the things we should do to work on the community. You didn't get that? No way. No way. I got, you know, Israel's, an, Israel's, Israel's a nice place. We have to make sure everything for Israel to stay. Israel's a place to visit. Israel's not a place you go to live because you need to be near family. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give this a story. Share with everyone. Although my family is very proud of me and this and that, but it's still very difficult. Oh, my family's proud of me as well. Um, I'm, I'm. I'm sharing this. My family thinks I'm garbage, so I don't know. I, that's really <laughs> nice here, for yeah. you guys. Your brother's yeah. here. Well, so. some of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is a, a story I want to share for Alan. Um, there's, a, there's a great, a great teacher in Israel, Rabbi Yoel Benun. Um, he's featured in um, Like Dreamers. He's part of that big story. He's a great Tanakh teacher. Um, I heard him speak now about two years ago, right before. One his, of Michael's favorites. Uh, Full disclosure: I'm a total, um, a total, yeah, groupie role model. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So get me started. So he um, he was speaking about Herzl. Uh, and he was speaking about um, Herzl's dream um, of, of a Jewish state and how, how could he entertain the idea of going to Uganda. He had the whole Uganda plan that maybe we should take this piece of land there. And he was put up to a vote in the Zionist Congress. Was the third Zionist Congress? Correct me if I'm wrong. And no, later. Six. Later. Six. Okay. It's, six. it's good to be with historians here. I like that a lot. Okay. And, and, and it's, it's the last one he's alive for. And, and let me just clarify. It's not to should we take Uganda as a state. It's should we send a delegation to explore the British suggestion that maybe... It was very, it was very... Uh, which, which in this day and age of everything's on the extreme, it's like, oh my goodness, they, they were going to start putting the airport down for... They're gonna, right. So we tell the story as they were... They were it was, it was, yeah. it was 1976. <laughs> That's an inside joke, right? I didn't tell you. Um, so uh, it was interesting that, that that came up as, as, as an idea, and many people were insulted. Now, I think I want to step back to you. You're right that this whole Zionist Congress was a minority opinion in the Jewish world. They were having this in a bubble about what they should do, and most, most people were not Zionist and cared about it. So um, there's, a, there's a discussion between the political Zionists. Should we make a practical decision to get a safe haven? Because for Herzl, the biggest problem facing the Jewish people was that there was anti-Semitism, and a solution was a safe haven. And the cultural Zionists stood up and said, no, 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 our biggest problem is that Judaism doesn't seem relevant to people. And the solution is we need a home in our homeland, a core that's going to educate people and give them meaningful life. So Rav Yoel Benun says, I was flying into America a bunch of years ago, and I'm, and I'm seeing Manhattan, I'm seeing all these things, and I said, wow, they found Uganda. The, these Jews found the safe haven where they were free from anti-Semitism. So the pull for them, for the need to come to Israel, wasn't there. Again, he wasn't judging. He was saying that you see this political ideology between what where people want and what they need, whereas in Israel we see this pulsating center of Jewish life. All rabbis from every stream has to come to Israel and study for a year. All these fellowships are coming to Israel. Birthright had to come to Israel for 12 years now to help reinvigorate Jewish life there. The Israel is really this center of, of, of a living Jewish breathing organism and, and cha changes that destiny. And if we go back to the Jewish agency, the Jewish agency with under Natan Sharansky, one of my role models, has changed its focus. Um, he's changed the focus from Aliyah uh, to Jewish education, understanding if that- If he was here, okay, First of all, we would hug him and kiss him. And, and we've seen him occasionally here. I, yeah, yeah. We I, had a honk on, I had a honk on him last week because he, he was like blocking my way. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just honked at <laughs> Natan Shvansky. Um, he would say that uh, Aliyah isn't over. It's all over what they do. That's, that's what they're trying to frame it that way. But I, I think, again, I put me in the, to defend the, the, the approach, even though I might not agree with how it's being executed, is th there's been a serious 
lack of a maturation or updates about all Jewish education institution and change. Even so, and this article by Michael Eisberg on Tablet um, even mentions how this model that you have to be a Jewish doctor and lawyer and that's going to guarantee your economic viability is no longer relevant anymore. And it's, it's seeing that people graduating from law school and they're having difficult jobs. And it's not, if you're going to be a doctor now, you're not going to be able to afford to have your kids in Jewish day school. And, and you don't see people changing that path they want to send their kids on to be successful. All the more so about how people are educating themselves. And I think that that's why it's more sophisticated to say they're going to spread it out by doing Jewish identity. But it's where is Aliyah's role in it? And when you go to their website and you go to shuls and you, and you see where is Aliyah mentioned, how are they celebrating people from their community? There's a great day school in Toronto that has a plaque okay, on the wall of all the kids who served in the, the, the IDF. Oh, where, okay. Which one? Um, it's, um, um, the Yeshiva? Uh, no. Um, chat? Uh, not chat. Chat? No. No. Uh, no um, Orchaim. 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 Yeshiva. I know it is Orchaim. Yeah. It's a beautiful place. And, and, and you walk in, you see that. Well, that's a that's very strongly not just Zionist, but Aliyah promoting and, culture and you see, there. And you see a there are very very few schools in North America, I think, that have that level. Interesting. No, interesting because the longtime head there was uh, expat, an Israeli expat. Yeah. Well, look, I, I mean, I taught in Fuchs Mizrahi in Cleveland for eighteen years, and I, and it, 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 I don't know that it's as much now as it was then, but it certainly was then, and I think it still is. The, the flag fly. I was just there uh, six uh, six weeks ago. The flag fly. The Israeli flag flies outside. Um, and they wel and they welcomed me in, and, and 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 I was able to speak and and, and do a lot of activity, and and they and they value that. That's really great. I, I don't want I, God for, my my cousin. No, no, my cousin's also the principal there. I don't want to speak bad about it. You see that they have you're, a very, you're company. Avery's cousin. I am Avery's. Cousin. Oh, that's so nice. So you you see that you see this you see a value there. I'm not talking about again specifics. Well, I'm talking I'm talking about it. a trend that you see is how people are comfortable about this idea and even ex expressing that this is the ideal for us and we're supporting that we feel this. So let me let me bring it maybe a little concrete. Are there places or even significant places where you feel that you don't have access because they don't want to have this Aliyah conversation? Yes. Yes. Again, I, I don't want to call them out here, oh, but there's sure. a lot of places where we call up and we say, we'd love to do an evening, and they say, oh, we don't have people that are interested. Instead of saying, we want to make it happen, we're going to get people interested. Well, that's, right, you want to come because if people aren't interested, they should hear what and, you have to and, say. And we're all about choices. Right. We want to inform right. people about what's happening. And, and I always say this, so I stay with my brother in, in, in New Rochelle when I stay there. I don't talk about Aliyah, and my sister-in-law is after halfway through lunch, like, oh, God, you make me feel so bad, I want to talk about it. And I'm, it's the soft sell. We're all about the soft sell, which is a great educational approach. We're role modeling. I even bring you a little porn, uh, a little porn Torah. It's interesting, Mordecai's reaction to this decree isn't to go scream on Twitter and yell at this is horrible, horrible, horrible. He has a much more sophisticated play about how to react, uh, not to overreact, and how to put... And how Standing to, in, in uh, sackcloth sack, and sack. ash outside the... <laughs> but it's, it's different as, as a confronting it head-on. He has a sophisticated way to say, how are we getting people into it? And we're not, again, uh, we're not taking full-page ads in newspapers telling you, you know, you, you're living a horrible life here. You, you know, you're, there's no God in Chutzlar, it's like the Gemara says, or, you know, or... This and Ben-Gurion quoted that Gemara. That's the one Gemara I know Ben-Gurion quoted. So it... it, it I don't remember. I don't remember. Oh, we got to find he, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, th those are, those are all re uh, pe people. These people know that in these shuls, okay? They, they they know this. But when I when I was in, I was in Boca Raton, Florida, and and about and, and about sixteen um, uh, six, I asked the question to these students in a, in a day school in Florida. It's like, how many people um, have a family living in Israel? And like eighty five percent of the kids hands up. There was, I, it was hard for me to find the hands that weren't. And I think it's a, a trend of phenomena that you see that people are more connected to Israel. Yes, it was a Jewish day school and it was an Orthodox Jewish day school, and you see that people are connected that way. But is that connection a, a real value for them? And and do they see that? And I think that that's for us is is the is, is that if we want to go into education is to say how do we how do we pass that on that you see that Aliyah is part of that process even if it's a value for later on there's great reasons for people to not be able to come on Aliyah if you're doing great things you're taking care of so there's a lot of reasons why people might not be able to come but how do you still express that as you know my thoughts are is or my my, my yeah, prayers I, are I as a teacher when I announced to the community I was making Aliyah that's when I stopped talking about Aliyah as a as a teacher who was in Cleveland. I was much more comfortable promoting Aliyah and saying, look, I know I'm not doing it, mm -hmm. but, and, and you know, to a certain extent that's hypocritical, but I can express the ideal in a way, you know, that... And that's what that he was saying before about the... But once, the I, once I said I'm making Aliyah, I felt like it, it sounded like bragging, so I said, you know, now just, you'll just, I, I'll just rely on you knowing that I'm moving there. I mean, I would encourage other educators to come on the program here because it's, I, maybe it's just therapeutic for me to talk about these things and how I feel as an educator and as, as working at a director at a not-for-profit is that I think that you really um, 
have that thrust that if you feel that it's it's all or nothing, then then you're 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 not you're not getting you're not getting that hug on any educational issue. That's indoctrination thinking, not educational thinking. I would argue. Yeah. And I, I think that, that that's what that's what in the, the, the young people in the and I know as my, myself that search for authenticity, right. that search search for I want a meaningful life, and 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 to deny that expression here, even to participate, to study and learn here, to volunteer here, yeah. to volunteer for an organization over there that's going to help here shows that connection. And and, well, and, and we we would say if if when we do believe as Zionists that really Israel is the center of the Jewish story, and the center of the Jewish world, it's the greatest so project of the Jewish people, right? And therefore, to engage in it at one point in terms of who you are as a Jew, however you engage in it, is yeah. meaningful and important and, and part of the story and not necessarily a zero-sum game like you're saying. Either you're here or you're not and that's it, but rather engaging in the Israel story wherever yeah, you are. I think are. The, 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 we've been talking about this yeah. now, that, the, that the, the imagery people used when we were growing up of, um, of um, you want to be in the bleachers watching the game or you want to be on the court playing, mm. I think is not helpful right. because it's portraying it as, as it's, either it's you're... It's harmful, I think. Yeah. Harmful. Either you're either you're in Israel or you don't. Or you're you're a just spectator. a spectator. So a fan. I, I would agree. I even think it's crazy. I have a friend uh, from Toronto who I met when I was studying in Israel. We we have a friendship for now many many years, and he knows more about what's going on in Israeli politics than I do. We were in the Shuk together. He came to visit for his birthday. He made his, his 40th birthday. He made the trip. He told his wife, I'm coming to Israel. That's what I really want to do for my birthday, to be in Israel. He has that connection. And we're in the Shuk, and we see the, the, one of the chief rabbis from Israel who we knew by name. And then we see, and then he's the, the chief of police came by, and he, uh, Ron, uh, uh, Ronnie, what's his name? Yeah, Ronnie uh, Alch Alchel. Alchel. He knew his name. I mean, I don't Alchel. know the, I, I, Sheikh. I, I, I don't know the, name, the chief of police in Toronto. He is more closely following current events in Israel than I am. I do. I don't follow it for my sanity, but he's like he's living Israel right. and living it. I think sometimes that unhealthy. matters, and that matters a lot. It matters a lot. It's sometimes unhealthy that he cares more. Like he's telling me about the policies and who I should vote for, and and I'm like the the view here is a little bit different. Uh, when people are saying Israel, should, the army should do this, I'm like I know young people in the army. I'm not so quick to do that because I know what it's really like. Or my brother-in-law is there. I just think that I, I wanted to make one other point is to say, um, I lost my point, is, is that, that, that fu the future of your community or what your community is doing is really important. And I, 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 rather than the front row, front row seats, I say that when, when there's a natural disaster in Haiti or that, that was, so the American Jewish community can donate money to help the American Red Cross to send over there. That's really great, a worthy thing to do. Okay? The state of Israel sent over a hospital and doctors and left that hospital equipment. That's what a state can do, and, and, and to participate in that is well, really, is really I, remarkable. I would say to put that into religious language, that an individual Jew can make a Kiddush Hashem. He can, the, that's the religious language. Sanctify God's name, make a good impression about Jews. Only the state of Israel can be an Orla Goyim, a light to the nations, and be an example of how a nation behaves. So that's what absolutely, 100%. I think just most people, are, their national ideas are just slumbering. Yeah, they're just sleeping about it, and it's, it's not. And therefore, they either your APAC is coming up. The largest gathering of Jewish people in North America will be at APAC. They're expecting twenty thousand people there, okay? And it's it's going to be around this issue of you know Israel, but it's going to be we, it's going to be Israel from that certain identity, okay? Um, and educators and rabbis will be it will be descending on them. It's be I'm not going this year. It'd be interesting to see the type of conversation that people are having on the side, but it's it is. It is a different type of a solidarity and identity. That it's a good, it's a good solidarity. It's a different than seeing that we are part of this project, and that's why that that ism, that national that ideology ism, is is something that draws people in, not necessarily from because it was Zionism or nationalism. They're, they're choosing part a part of their Judaism is going to be uh, lit or connected to the, the project that is in Israel. We have to wrap up, but just one quick, 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 quick question: uh, We see a lot of Israelis leaving. Just proportionately, Yerida, which is Israelis leaving Israel, versus Aliyah. And, where, and we know the communities where they are located, right? They I, see, I like cities all over the world, I feel like you can hear Hebrew. Is the Aliyah rate larger, smaller? Um, so every year, right around Rosh Hashanah, they, they publish how many kids are born in Israel and how many people made Aliyah and how many people le left Israel. For the past few years, um, the Aliyah rate has been higher than the leaving rate. Um, I, I'll, I'll share with you some statistics, uh, some, some images that the famed uh, Hebrew University uh, statistician, uh, soci sociologist, I think it's technically, um, Sergio uh, de la P uh, Pargola is his name, about how the um, leaving rates, the Irida rates, are actually um, diminishing each year the, of the past decade. Um, and the Aliyah rates have actually increased, but that's also because of um, France and Russian anti-Semitism. But you see that, I mean, it's natural to have a come and go. It's, it's, it's immigration, emigration are, natu are natural phenomenons. 
But um, we clearly see that that um, an efesh benefesh, we see a trend of Israelis coming back, children of Israelis, the Israelis that left in the 80s and 90s when Israel was more difficult. Their kids are choosing to come back because they want to be part of this, or they, especially those that were raised speaking Hebrew in their home, they didn't quite fit in. Uh, yeah, there's that great um, or controversial um, advertisement that, uh, that they made a couple years ago about the, the Israelis in, outside of Israel um, not being able to speak to their grandchildren or had a Christmas tree there or the Omazi grown there. there. There's definitely a disconnect with some Israelis there and their children are coming back. Um, and I, I think the, the back to the zero-sum game, the fantasy that all Jews are going to come to Israel and they're going to be all located in one place is really messianic. Jews are traveling, Israelis are traveling all around the world and, and doing incredible things and volunteering and, and, and sometimes finding you know, oper- business opportunities around the world. And finding themselves and meaning. F- finding themselves as well. It's just, you, but you see that when you meet those Israelis, you ask them about their life in Israel, they'll say, uh, you know, Israel's the best. And it's, it, I was in LA and you meet, oh yeah, sure, you have to make LA. I'm like, okay, you're in LA for 25 years and you're telling people, they, they have that connectivity. And that, that type of identity. And, and you see also about Israelis who leave, they often, not everyone, they often connect to the Judaism much more than they did when they were in Israel. Because to connect to the Jewish community outside of Israel, you have to be affiliated with the synagogue. And, th- and therefore, there's some sort of balancing going on. And I, I, guess, I guess my concluding point is that it's, it's having, seeing Aliyah or seeing the Israel conversation as a, first and foremost, a real, it's not, it's not just a, a story or two-dimensional figures, a real life, this, is, this cafe is, uh, is real here, you know, making noise. It's, these, these are real people that have jobs and kids in the schools, the same, the same life that you have there. But it's also, it, these are options for people. And for people who do want to explore it, then you have to support them and not make them feel like they're abandoning you or they're sacrificing um, Amazon.com uh, or, or, or all these things that are out there. There are normal considerations. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mark. And we will be also posting the, my favorite video of all times, the Joseph Trumpledor plowing in, uh, in 19, uh, 1918, I believe it is. Uh, in the Kinneret Farms. All right. Are you are you setting up the website today? Uh, yes. Okay, <laughs> deal. Since your computer's dead, someone's got to do it, man. Oh, don't talk to me about <laughs> computer. Uh, uh, thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate it. I think uh, very often Aliyah's in the background of people's conversations. They don't really have as much at their fingertips. I think that's very helpful to get a little more concrete perspective for somebody who works in the field. Yeah, it was great. Great conversation on Aliyah. Yeah, and good luck playing it on uh, 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 one and a half speed listening to it because I don't think it'll work for this one, even though it's a little bit of a longer episode. Uh, we hope you guys stayed through because uh, I think it was very important and informative to, to get a little more background onto these issues. So thank you so much, Mark. All the best, um, and, and sh- please share the podcast with your friends. Yeah, please recommend any way you can. We really appreciate it. We're getting, we're getting several dozen uh, downloads per episode, which for us we're very happy. But I think, I think what it shows is that this this can be relevant to English speakers who are concerned with Israel. So please recommend it and rate it on iTunes and rate it on iTunes or on Android or wherever you listen to. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> but 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 uh, just the even downloading it. Yeah, you're right. But who the heck knows? Hey, you got Hey, can put the ask out there, man. That's right. Um, and join our Facebook group. Um, uh, JU Israel, the teacher, Teachers Lounge. It's called the Teachers Lounge Podcast on Facebook. You can find us, te- uh, Israel Teacher Gap, uh, uh, Israel, JU Israel Gap on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Any way you want to keep in touch, we would appreciate it very much uh, and your feedback. So thanks again, Mark. Uh, thank you, Alan. Thank you, Mike. Signing off. Bye bye. I had a clear button.